episode of Dead's Not Punk, podcast that we uh, conceived at this year's Rebellion Festival in Blackpool. My name is Ewan Grant, welcome to my co-host. My name is Stuart Knight, hello. And we have been uh, equally involved in music since the uh, dates we're going to be talking through, <laughs> yeah. and we are still involved in the, in the music industry to date, so punk played a, a massive part on uh, our attitudes, our uh, careers, our you know outlook on life, our social empathies, etc. And uh, we decided that uh, we felt that this area has been covered quite a lot in certain radio shows. And historically, there are podcasts out there. We wanted to bring it from a, a UK-centric yeah point of view. Yeah, I think that's a good point, you and to start off with, which is why we're doing it. Punk's obviously well documented. There's loads of documentaries and radio shows and other podcasts, but they predominantly sort of cover the American. The, the sort of I mean, the American thing did play a huge part in the influence of what happened 75, 76 in the UK. I mean, Malcolm coming back from the US, having managed the New York Dolls, coming out of that CBGB scene with uh, the Ramones, Talking Heads, and Blondie. But really, you've got to look back forward. To actually where that came from to bring that into the yeah I mean yeah, so that's a very good point I mean you talk about CBGBs with, with artists like Jane County the electric chairs yeah. of course famously involved in Andy Warhol's factory as, as was Debbie Harry as was Debbie Harry good yeah. one yeah and so Andy Warhol with the Velvet Underground the whole mixture of arts and culture in, in New York obviously you know neither of us were there but yeah. but hugely influential and, and there's loads of uh, literature. And films and documentaries yeah. out there, which you can, you know, if you're interested, you can do your research, you can go back and look at the, these things. So we're not, we're going to try and concentrate this more from a UK-centric, you being from England, me being from Scotland. So I mean, that's a, that's a good point as well, because the American thing is well, really well documented. And in, in Scotland, I'd be really interested to know, you know, when we talk a, bit, a little bit later on about what was actually going on in Scotland you know, in that mid-period, in that sort of formative period, 75, 76, which is what, what this episode is about. I mean, I have to say from my own perspective, I grew up in South Africa and didn't come to the UK until 1977, obviously a very pivotal year for punk. But, um, you know, we didn't have radio and TV. I mean, there was no TV in South Africa until 1976. Really? No. And, you know, and it started, it was dreadful. When it started. Right, so there was no real music scene as no. such that you could I mean, was tap into. Were you were you aware of any of the acts that were happening in the UK? No. You know, like Sweet or uh, Mark Bolan or David Bowie or. I mean, obviously there was a cultural boycott of South Africa at that time, and uh, the only things you really saw were really big pop thing. You know, international pop artists, yeah. like Barry White or you know someone like that. Um, the Beach Boys. I remember my parents famously having. Sort of Beach Boys albums and stuff. So I think the Beach, the, the, I think the Beach Boys was one of the, uh, you know, one of the albums. I think it was the, the best of the Beach yeah. Boys. 
that we used to get played by mum and dad yeah. on the Sunday afternoon drive when there was only two TV stations on, you know, there was nothing on on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And they'd always go, oh, let's take out Nana for a drive. And they'd put the Beach Boys on. And I think that was probably one of the earliest influences that wanted me to rebel against that type of music. However, subsequently followed down the line, Pet Sounds is one of the, my favourite albums of all yeah, time. Yeah. But that wasn't what they were playing. They were playing very much the uh, commercial end of what the Beach Boys were at that point. It really put me off the Beach Boys for a long while. This podcast will be full of opinion yeah. and rhetoric, and you know, and, you, and we, you know, we have our opinions, and that, and punk taught us to have opinions on certain things, not to sit in the fence, you know, to have opinions and to try and make a difference. How you could make that difference? In seventy five, seventy six was was difficult because you know there was much people were very disenfranchised, weren't they? I mean, and uh, there wasn't much going on. I had, I have an elder brother, and I used to hang out with his mates because they were like a couple of years older than me, and they were into they were into music, and the music that they were into was very much the glam side of stuff. You know, a bit of uh, bit of marble and a bit of sweet, uh, but you know. Um, but even a bit of Thin Lizzy stuff like that, you know. Uh, Phil Linnet was a big, you know, sort of influencer in that yeah. whole sort of uh, the middle of the seventies era of the type of music. But Thin Lizzy was very much similar to what was happening in the southeast of England in Essex with the the pub rock scene. Well, pub rock was on, yeah. I mean, that's that's true. And pub rock obviously was hugely influential on on the punk scene. I mean, we. You know, Kilburn in the High Roads with Ian Jury and Joe Strummer, of course, famously with the 101ers, you know, and, and the squat scene. And and then you've got Eddie and the Hot Rod Slaughter and the Dogs. Slaughter the Dogs from Manchester, yeah. And uh, who uh, I think initially were discovered by Rob Gretton, who went on to wow. manage Joy Division in yeah. New Order. So, you know, um, Rob Gretton being an influential factor in the whole mm. Manchester scene as much as Tony Wilson, who we will also talk yeah. about further down. So I very much see Manchester as the kind of counterbalance to London. And in fact, you know, Buzzcocks and the things that were coming out of Manchester almost stand up a little bit more than the, perhaps the sort of more... Is it because the North is better? Well, I, well, well I, 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 we're only talking England yeah. there, we're only talking England there. But, you know, when we get to Glasgow, I'm sure, you know, it'll be... The fashion and the sensationalism and the whole celebrity element was probably more London than it was in Manchester. And you had somebody who had a vision in Manchester, a similar character to Malcolm McLaren in London, in Tony Wilson. Yeah. And Tony Wilson had that vision of factory records and you know he was Well even before he was famously put the pistols on TV. Yeah. You know, um, he was he was a TV presenter he was a famous yeah, name. Not, yeah, he was a Granada, name yeah. you could attach yourself to yeah. at the time, you know, um, and you know, there were so many late night programmes that made their way up to Scotland that Tony was involved in. That uh, So what was happening in Scotland in the mid-70s? I mean, were you... I mean, because my memory of it all is obviously hazy because being here from 77 onwards. I mean, there was, there was local bands. Yeah. But... Uh, I mean, what ma- was the ma- mainly cover bands. Yeah. There was a lot of cover bands at the time who would play venues in Glasgow, like the Bombs House, uh, the Mars Bar, but the Mars Bar actually became one of the venues that, you know, jumped on the punk thing quite early doors. I mean, there's a lot of bands went through the Mars Bar, a lot of pub rock bands, who then wore skinny jeans and skinny ties, yeah. and, you know, suit, you know, sort of mod suit jackets, 
and thought they were a wee bit punk, a wee bit edgy, but they were still a rubbish pub rock band. Until, you know, somebody like maybe Johnny and the Self-Abusers came along, which was Simple Minds. Simple Minds. They they, they played quite regularly at the Miles Bar. Unfortunately, this is all through research of mine that I've done, because I was at an age that, you know, uh, licensing in Scotland, it was a lot of these live music venues were over 21s. So you would end up going to local band gigs Mm -hmm. in your your town that were maybe in the church hall or yeah. the town hall the or, working men's club yeah or the working men's club that would allow you in and you could get to yeah. those and there was a place um, called the Ailsa Hotel uh, in, the, in the town that I grew up in and uh, they did a lot of live bands and you could you could tell there was something changing and you could get in you could get served underage in there which yeah. was brilliant you know yeah. so at my age got in there and I saw you know a couple of early um, shall we say early acts that wanted to move out of the pub rock scene and into punk rock but there was still a bit of pub rock in it, it was just, but it was exciting because you could get to see live music yeah you, I mean there was a huge there was a period wasn't there where the sort of pub rock scene spanned into the punk thing with I mean because famously the damned obviously came from you know bastard and you know Brian James was definitely involved in a lot of that kind of and as was Ray but you know Captain Sensible yeah, yeah. So and bands like the Count Bishops and stuff yeah. like that they were on exactly Ch- and Hammersmith Gorillas yeah Gorillas yeah, yeah. That, that the guy with the big the big signing <laughs> it, was, it was either the Gorillas or the Hammersmith Gorillas but there's definitely some big sideburns in there somewhere which I think the Damned actually because the Damned toured with um, T Rex yeah yeah and and Motorhead I think Mark actually put them on his show when he yeah, that's right his yeah. ITV show and and get, talking to Motorhead of course because the roots of that stretch back into that whole Hawkwind free festival you know here and now that, gone. that was almost like anarchy with a small a yeah. in, the, in, the, in the early 70s there was something going on over there yeah. it was a bit like oh, that's, yeah. that looks a bit edgy yeah. but it's like Gong and um, you know there's another here and now yeah. I think you've mentioned the Pink you know. Fairies and that yeah. sort of a bluesy sort of, it was moving in that direction it was definitely more Guitar orientated and shorter songs than the sort of noodly sort of seventies, you know, Re- yes, Rick Wakeman nonsense, yeah. Genesis, and all the rest of it, and Pink Floyd silliness, you know. So that sort of that counterculture. Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd, you was another one that I totally denounced in the seventies. Yeah, like, this is just rubbish. <laughs> I'll put them in the same category as um, the Beach Boys. Yeah, you know, although my parents never played Pink Floyd to us on a Sunday yeah. afternoon. That's a shame. Yeah. It was a shame. Uh, but I still had a, you know, there was a certain fashion about what people who liked Pink Floyd looked like. Well, and Pink Floyd came from a kind of counterculture perspective. Dark Side of the Moon was like the album you had yeah, to have. Yeah. You, you'd walk into school with that album. And I thought, who are these people, right? Pink Floyd always remind me of Neil from The Young Ones. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It was the different. It was Neil from The Young Ones. And to just sum up the kind of, I don't know, we're, we're, we're coming from our punk era thing, and there was the death of hippie, but the elements of hippie that were represented by counterculture, the free festivals, you know, Windsor and then famously Stonehenge, etc., seemed to kind of embrace a lot of the things that you saw again in punk, like counterculture. Yeah. Which you didn't see in Pink Floyd, Genesis. No. Well, they yes, all disappeared all into their country like, estates and, and yeah. all got a bit silly. You know, and, I, and then, you know, and, and then t- thinking now as you were talking about that era, you know, of course the sort of hippie 
the hippie sort of 60s into early 70s had their sort of writers with William Burroughs and Ginsburg and their counterculture, you know, even going back to the 50s with Jack Kerouac, but nevertheless the Beats, famously yeah. the Beats, the counterculture kind of writers and filmmakers, and we talked about Warhol, which were then reinvented by punk with things like the fanzine movement, you know, Mark Perry and Sniffing Glue. Sniffing Glue. Sniffing Glue was the one. Wasn't there one of famous fanzine in Scotland? Was there, there was a fanzine called Jungle Land, which, right. was, uh, which basically was... Uh, a reaction to the music press at the time. Person who uh, did Jungle Land was a guy called Mike Scott, who's in the Water Boys, right? Yeah. And, uh, and other bands before. He wasn't another, but I remember, I think it was about 76, he was in a band called White Light, White Heat. Wow, good reference there. So, yeah. referencing or looking back to the yeah. forward. And that, you know, there was a lot of that. With and them. another pretty face. And another pretty face. Yeah. You know. No, I saw the stiff little fingers. But 79, so let's not jump ahead. You're, ju you're jumping ahead. Sorry. Whereas yeah. I'm, I'm trying to keep us on this one step forward, but looking two steps back. There was a lot of that going on at the time in the 70s, because even when, you know, even when the Pistols covered certain things like No Fun and Substitute, yeah. you're looking back and you're going, who are these bands? Yeah. Because you weren't, you, weren't, yeah. you weren't aware of those acts at the time. Substitute by the who? By the who. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest um, events in Scotland in the middle 70s was, I think it was in June, just after the football season had finished. And, uh, you know, you mentioned certainly certain English bands that, you know, were influenced to you. Uh, Alex, the Alex Harvey band supported mm. The Who at Parkhead, mm. uh, Glasgow Celtics ground, I think it was June the 5th, 1976. That was a game-changing yeah. gig, right? That was like, wow, yeah. stadium gigs in Scotland. And, you know, unfortunately, I was a bit young and never got to that one. Uh, it, would be, it would be another 18 months before I got to my first ever show, a proper show, having been a, like, sneaked in at church halls and sneaked in at social clubs and sneaked in at, you know, mm. venues that would serve underage or you could, you'd sit in the corner with your Coke son and you'd be all right, Coca-Cola. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> and, uh, you know, at that point, Alex Harvey were up there as the game-changing yeah. act. His theatrics, his performance encompassed a lot of what punk So that would have been the similar sort of time to Bowie. Yeah, yeah. Who, who obviously, you know, influ you know, famously Sid Vicious with his feathered haircut and his Bowie T-shirt, and then of course, you know, later bands like Crass, who I mean, Crass is even taken from a David Bowie lyric. So, you know, those you're right; those bands were really influential. I mean, and I and the, you know, the Damned. Being oh, on I think Dave Vanian, you know, not that I would know, yeah, you know gospel on this but I'm sure Dave Vaney listened to the sensational Alex Harvey band yeah. and you know that was a big influence that, that sort of style of rock and the style of rock that wasn't rock opera or twin 12 string guitars yeah. and you know sort of keyboards that mounted up to what Pink Floyd shows might have been at that yeah. point right which were just there was definitely self-indulgent self-indulgent nonsense there was definitely a fight against that however as a caveat I will say, later in my musical career, Pink Floyd played quite a big part, but we'll find out about that. Right. Uh, in, uh, 
it's interesting, isn't it, as you sort of get a little bit older and you go back and you look at, you listen to these albums, and I've tried to listen to, I mean, you know, the Pistols, I remember Paul Cook wearing that I Hate Pink Floyd yeah, t-shirt, yeah. you know, which, which was great, and, and you know, and, and strummers famously singing their Elvis Beatles or the Rolling Stones, and I've tried to go back and retrospectively listen to those bands, but I still feel like that, I find it boring, it doesn't touch, yeah. it doesn't... People keep saying, oh, but the Rolling Stones were so, you know, they, it was amazing, those early albums, you know, Exile on Main Street. And I'm, I just don't get it. I mean, having lots of music as long as you and I have and made it our, our whole career, we've also been in a position where we've had to look at things from a different perspective mm -hmm. than just being a fan. And certain things change your vision on why things are influential mm -hmm. and why they'll do it. I mean, I wish you were here. Um, it's, it's a great album, right? And you know, I would never have said that any time in the 70s yeah. and 80s, but it's, it, it's a great piece of music. And when when you enjoy music, you know, I would, you know, I would definitely go back and listen to that album. But you know, so there's two bands that made me get into punk rock, and now I, you know, I, I'm actually, I would say, I'm a fan of the Beach Boys and Pink Floyd. Well, that's, that's a statement. I mean, Sid uh, Barrett as well. And well Sid, Sid Barrett's Barrett's an interesting because yeah. that, 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 the psychedelic movement in the 60s was also nuggets, nuggets and yeah. pebbles. Well, and even people like Captain Beefheart, you, yeah. know, who were, you know, who were game changers and, 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 and really seminal artists. By the way, you know, these are our opinions and we're not going to get everything right and we know you're probably going to disagree with some of this, Well, I certainly hope you're going to disagree with some of it. Yep. There is an email address, deadsnotpunkpod at gmail.com and that's deadsnotpunkpod at gmail.com. If you've got an opinion you want to share with us or you'd like us to cover something on the, on the podcast, then please drop us a line. You know, as you had said earlier on, this is our first episode. We are, you know, launching this, but we're hoping to sort of touch them I was going to say touch and touch points, but it sounds a bit weird. We are, we are hoping to reach out and maybe say some stuff that you know you feel some resonance with, or maybe you've been at some of the gigs that we've been at, and you yeah. remember the memories that we have as fans of, you know, buying that first Ramones album or going to that first show and seeing somebody that you went, this is game changing, right? And that that's what the scene meant to us, and you know, the fact that we still go to gigs today. I remember when, you know, when Stuart and I met each other, we're probably looking at 30 years. Yes. 30 years now, and uh, it was a love of punk rock that brought us together. Yeah. Although we were doing separate jobs within the music industry, it was our love of punk rock. And I remember uh, we all we made a pact yeah. that year that we'd try and go to at least three punk gigs a year. Yeah. Right? And, uh, we did. We used to go to the New Cross, uh, New Cross, Cross yeah. the venue in New Cross with John Cooper, Clark, UK Subs, uh, the Vibrators, all of that. But you know, which led me into thinking as I was coming in here today. You know, of all the bands in the UK that you know are relevant, you know, uh, and have made relevant punk records, that when you look back, the historians look back, they go, oh, it's in the UK, it's complete control by the Clash, it's in the city by the Jam, it's, you know, orgasmatic by the Buzzcocks, or yeah. it's down to Punk's Not Dead by the Exploited, or yeah. Crass, Feeding the 5000, or, yeah. you know, Band from the Roxy, or anything like that. Is there any, any band that you've never seen, Stuart? Well, I mean, obviously I've missed a few of them, but... Because um, you missed that integral first yeah, two Yeah, I missed years. that, I was too, I, was too, I wasn't here right. for a start, so that was a bit of a drawback. But, you know, when I first started going to gigs, it wasn't really until properly, until sort of 79. 
So there were a bunch of bands that I didn't see. I'd like to have seen the adverts in their heyday, in their in the pomp. pomp. Yeah. You know, and I'd love to have gone to, you know, I'd love to have gone to the Roxy and seen that. I know it was really short-lived. I know it's probably been overdone. It's probably not as great as it's made out to, and it was probably a bit grim. But I'd love to have gone. There's quite a lot of stuff on um, on social media, you know, across Twitter or Instagram or TikTok, and you know, it's old flyers from like the Roxy or Eric's in Liverpool, and it's like October '77. It's got the list of who's on. Yeah. You can pick one gig to go to the marquee in London. Yeah. You pick one gig, and you look through them all, and you, you're like, yeah, I saw them, seen them, saw them, seen them. I don't think there's anybody that stands out that I didn't see. Well, there's a difference between. I never saw Joy Division, but with that's a lot later. I saw Joy Division support Buzzcocks. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see them, but I. I, I and yeah, we're talking about a different era anyway. But back in the days of the sort of bands, those punk, those early punk bands. Yeah, I think there's a difference between I've seen them now. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what did you see them at the time? And we, you know, I remember going to see the Slits. So the only and one, the only one that slit was that on Spot the Clash. No, I could, the slits. I saw them do a headline gig. Right. Okay. And it was when they were between Cut and Earthbeat. Right. So they were getting into their kind of quite, you know, it was it wasn't the sort of classic. It wasn't the slits that were on the Anarchy in the UK tour. It was right. They'd gone into their sort of more Afro beat thing. Um, I I liked it, but you know, back at the time, people wanted to jump up and down, and the slits were going in a different direction. But I remember seeing them, you know, and and so I saw them. at in, in, in that, because that cut album actually came out quite late. I think it was for 79. Well. 78, 79, yeah, on Ireland. And around right at the same time as bands like the Raincoats and Kleenex. And that's and that's stuff it, like yeah. That. I mean, it, 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 it took it, them a long time. Yeah. Female, female yeah. power at the time. It just took it? them a long time to get that album out. Yeah. Um, great album. Um, going, back, going back on what you said there, I mean, I'm not taking credit for having been there and done the Anarchy tour with, you know, yeah. the Pistols, the Damned, the Clash and yeah. Richard Hell. I wasn't on that tour, but have seen all of those bands in some sort of form yeah. over the years. I mean, how many times have the Pistols reformed? Yeah, I've seen the Pistols a lot of times. I mean, in, in, I never saw them with Sid. No, no, we never saw them with Sid, but, you know, yeah. it's as near as we got to the uh, original line-up with yeah. Glenn. So, yeah. you know... Great gigs as well. They were great gigs. Shepherd's Bush Empire, um, yeah, yeah. You know, Hammersmith Odeon, Finchley Park, Crystal Palace. Yeah. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, we went to Crystal Palace and the main support for the Pistols was the Libertines. And the f and one of the first songs that they played was Silver Machine by that's, Hawkwind. Well, that's right, yeah. So going back to our reference yeah, yeah. points, you know, obviously, you know, they're, they're, that brings us nicely back to kind of where all these bands came from. And tw in. 20 years on, announced today, this summer at Crystal Palace Bowl, it's Iggy uh, Pop, isn't it? Iggy Pop, Blondie, and Generation Six. So that is Steve Jones and Paul Cook. Steve Jones, Paul Cook, Tony James, and Billy Idol. Wow! And they do, uh, they do, they, they played a couple of shows in LA. I think it was at the the Roxy, right, in LA. And it was, it, it's a mix. It's on YouTube again. Do they reset. play Pistol songs. They play Pistol songs, but they only play Pistol songs from the Great Rock and Roll Swindle. They so Lonely play, Boy and yeah, they don't yeah. play anything. I, 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 Nothing off bollocks. Pretty positive they don't play anything off bollocks. Yeah, you know, because they've all got, and you get the best of Generation X. Obviously, yeah. you have hundred song, hundred punks yeah. ready, steady, go. Yeah, that uh, was a joke. It was a joke. No, no, a Generation joke. X were one of my. They yeah. were, they were. Billy Idol to me was uh, absolute legend. As was Tony James. 
who subsequently went on to be in The Sisters of Mercy and Six Six Bootnik and yeah. Basil and that. We won't hold it against him. Fashion played a big part yeah. in Tony James's career. But well, Tony James was around during the whole pre-Clash London SS. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was in the London SS, I yeah. believe. Yeah. With uh, Keith Email Levine. us in if we got it wrong. Yeah, with, <laughs> with Keith Levine. Yeah, Keith Levine, who sadly died this week. Yeah. R.I.P. Keith Levine. Absolutely brilliant. Devastated, devastated. Yeah. I mean, that... Uh, when the pistols split and that first record came out with the newspaper sleeve. Yeah. Uh, and everybody out. was waiting to yeah. see what Lydon was going to do. And do you know what? The voice was as strong as it was in yeah. Bollocks and the guitar yeah. basically shaped the sound. It's a game changer. It was the, it's the sound of post-punk. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still, that's the sound if you want to play a bit of post-punk. You can hear it in bands today yeah. that we've been to see. Bands. It was a weird week, wasn't it? Or a weird couple of weeks because you had which we've touched on in the reference points in this conversation, because, of course, Nick Turner, famously one of the founding members of Hawkwind, sadly passed away. And I really like some of the, you know... I, I find I'm sounding a little bit sort of... I'm sort of being a little bit hypocritical in that I've been critical of the Rolling Stones and some of these older bands, but I really like the kind of impact that Hawkwind had on, on, on things. And people like Nick Turner were very sort of influential in... Um, you know, what, well, when he left Hawkwind, he went on to be in a city unit and other things and supported free festivals. So that punk spirit was definitely alive in him. So we lost him. And then Keith Levine from The Clash and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and Pill. So I mean, it, actually, the way the press have reported on Keith Levine, you know, you would have thought there would have been more about it. I've only seen It's a, all lazy, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, they've got other things that are interested in the press, as they always have had. You know, when we um, we talked earlier about the fanzine culture, yeah. but the fanzine culture grew out of the people being sick of the uh, traditional music press. And then in the mid seventies, you had what Record Mirror, NME. Melody Maker, yeah. NME, and Sounds, right? And you had certain journalists that you would follow because they they had reviewed an album, and you went and bought that album, or you went and bought that single, and you really liked it. You think. Oh, the next record might be good by that band, or the next record may be good by such and such. Well, I've mm. got to listen to that. But the fanzine culture was definitely a reaction against, you know, people like Nick Kent. Nick Kent, yeah. Well, I mean, those sorts of people always acted, you know, from what I've seen, as though they were they wanted to be in bands. Yeah, you know, he was yeah. a, he was a field musician. Yeah, there's actually there's a great um, YouTube interview with Nick Kent. I can't remember who's doing the interview, but Nick Kent. Is that with Joe Strummer? Joe yeah. Strummer and Rick Wakeman. Yeah. And Rick Wakeman and Joe Strummer basically turn on him and say, the reason that punk is happening mm. is because people don't want to listen to what you say because you're not doing anything creative. We're the ones that are up there doing it. Mm. And when you put that together with Joe Strummer and Rick Wakeman, mm. it's quite, you know... It's quite interesting, isn't it? Interesting point that mm. Strummer was making and Rick Wakeman was sitting there agreeing, you know. Because you did have some... I mean, obviously Caroline Coon out of that era... Yeah. With, she was quite instrumental in, in you know, she t- coined a lot of phraseology. But then you had the whole sort of, you know, celebrity journalists like Julie Virgin and Tony oh. Parsons, you know, cocaine snorting Groucho Club, you know, look at me, darling. You know, and, and, and that's not what punk was about. And Who now write probably for the Sunday Times yeah, and about Murdoch's empire. Yeah. Oh, what's that got to do with punk rock? Nothing. And, yeah, and probably vote Tory. Yeah. So, you know, that that's not where it was. I've got more respect for Mark Perry and Sniffing Glue than I ever will for Tony Parsons or oh, yeah. Julie, Julie Burchill, you know. And, 
Definitely. And a lot of people who worked in that fanzine culture, that was their way of getting in because you could do it yourself. Yeah. It was that whole DIY ethic mm. of I don't have to be I don't have to wait to be mm. told by somebody. You could put on your own gigs. You could release your own records. You know, there was Small Wonder, there was Rough Trade, there was places like that. Were, yeah, those you know, sorts of things definitely started as a, as a as a consequence of punk. I mean I think some of it started in the sixties and seventies with this sort of counterculture movement that the Kind of those those years spawned, particularly in the US with the anti-war thing, and here as well, and the anti-nuclear thing, you know. And I and I and I've done a lot of reading on that, and it is really interesting to find out about. And you look at the free festival movement. You're right. There was definitely around about that time. There was an anger. Yeah. All of necessity to a certain extent. An extra. anger and an energy. Yeah. Oh, nice. Shall we? I'll see what you did there. You see what I did there. Yeah. But an anger and an energy to support causes. Mm. Nuclear power, no thanks, CND, yeah. uh, Rock Against Racism, the Anti-Nazi League, yeah. you know, all played a big part in punk, mm. the, the punk movement as well, because there were people who were supportive of the National mm. Front that we didn't like. Mm. You know, it was like, who are these people? Who are these bully boys? Almost like the Tories we have today. Sorry yeah. to touch on politics again. But well, know. I think we are going to touch on politics, aren't we? Because it's very difficult to separate yeah, the sort of social comment from from the music because it was so sort of ingrained. I mean, they make a good point. I mean, it, it's really interesting to look at what's going on today in in reference to what was happening then. You talk about you know the anti-Nazi league with the big big gigs that happened in, in, in you know in, with the clash and the, yeah, yeah. the X-ray specs and still pulse, I, I think. Was it? Yeah, and uh, Tom Robbins. Yeah, who, you, know, you those, know those those still active. In music today. I saw him at Glastonbury this year. BBC introducing stuff. I like a show on Radio 6. Because he loves new music. He loves the discovery of new music as well. Strummer, we'll touch on it a lot throughout this podcast. Even in 86, when the clash had split, moving forward to take a step back, he did a tour of Class War. Rock against the rich, yeah. Does the world not need a was rock? That with uh, the Latino rockabilly war, it was. Yeah. yeah, and who had members of the Suckle Jerks in the band. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I managed to uh, get some of those gigs yeah. and play on some of those gigs. All right, well, when you were in the band, when yeah, well, this well, isn't a plug for your band. No, not at all. Not yeah. at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, hey, there's a really interesting being in a band yeah. helped you have a career in music because you understood all the pitfalls of how hard it is mm. to make it in music, right? Mm. I wasn't a band for long. You know, it was fun while it lasted. It was, you know, could I play? No, of course I couldn't play, but it was it was enjoyable. Mm. And, you know, getting to play Glasgow Barnaland with Joe Strummond was probably it's up there as a highlight. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, but Rock Against the Rich, the reason I'm, I'm mentioning that was not a plug. Yeah. We need that now. Yeah. We need that. Yeah. How, you know, we have a government in this country that is controlling us and putting us down in certain areas. We need somebody to stand up and go, oh, we've had enough. We yeah. don't have somebody like Joe Strummer. We've got fucking, uh, sorry, edit that one out. Yeah. We've got Lewis Capaldi. Yeah. I mean, this is it. I mean, comparing those times to these times, there was definitely more politicisation. I mean, and, and out of necessity. But those issues, like you know, the, the rhetoric we're hearing about immigration now, terrible. You know, and, and what's happening in, in terms of the, the the cost of living and the fact that you know these big corporations are quite literally getting away with murder. You know, and yet there's a distinct lack of 
comment you know, that I can see or a groundswell. I mean, I suppose the nearest thing that I can think about that came out of, well, Acid House and the whole rave yeah, yeah. scene did sort of get into that. We are drifting around a little bit. And, and I find... Well, just, as it's our first episode, yeah. I think we're allowed to drift around a bit because mm. of the amount of different areas that you and I have managed to work into our career and you know being involved in big ex- musical explosions which punk rock was one of them right and that was probably the first musical explosion that I was involved in then I mean you could say through the 80s the likes of you know uh, 79 mod revival after Quadrophenia or the goth scene with you know Feels of the Nephilim and Sisters of Mercy, and I'm sure you were in different areas at yeah. that point. And then, 86, Acid House. Mm. Huge game changer, as equally as game changing as punk rock. Yeah, and there was, I mean, there's a whole nother, there's a whole nother po- podcast series about the continuity that happened after, you know, from the after punk and into yeah. the Acid House movement and the free party scene. We've talked about Stonehenge free festivals here and now, Gong, Hawkwind, into punk DIY squats. We haven't even talked about the whole anarcho thing. Yeah. And then moving on into Acid House. And if you look back at you know those times, I mean, I remember when you talked about Rebellion Festival, you know, and and where the whole concept of this came from when we were at Rebellion this year. And I remember watching Colin from Conflict, who were playing this year. And Colin, after sort of the heyday of Conflict, um went on to be a big acid house promoter yeah. and uh, you know and, and and I remember hearing a few interviews with him talking about how you know he was really struck by the continuation of doing it yourself and oh, and that was the epitome of what acid yeah. house was all about the raves in the fields you know going around the M25 sunrise places like that you know and the DIY ethic of handing out flyers and yeah. you know sort of not being dictated to by the, the big promoters, yeah. which is what Colin and Steve England and all of that, that yeah. was what Crass was all about. You yeah. know? And the beauty of those early Crass gigs as well was they weren't in traditional venues either. They would find old church halls to play in. Well, and a lot yeah. of them were benefits. I mean, yeah. I, went, I was lucky enough talking about the bands I, you know, I, I did see. I mean, we, you know, in, in, in 79, I mean, 80, 80, 81, 82, I saw them twice in Northampton at the Roadmender Club on different tours with different support bands. Poison Girls famously supported them on many. Poison Girls supported them when I saw them in Irvine Town Hall. Yeah, and I saw them with Annie Anxiety and Dirt. I think Annie Anxiety was on that Poison Girls class tour that I I went to. Again, you know, anyone's got any... Unfortunately, at that gig, there was a bit of a fight. Now, this was a big thing, and there was a lot of aggression. Well, you got a lot of skinheads came to those shows, so there was a sort of, you know, because they were so political, and and, and and so you had that, you did, did, it was really intimidating at some of them, because you had all these big skinheads would arrive, I mean, when I was young. But, I mean... I remember, I remember, when I was doing the fanzine, I wrote a piece about Please Stop Fighting. Yeah. Because it was, it was, it was either skinheads or punks or, Mm. you know, when it got to 79 it was mods you know I remember famously the UK subs playing Air Pavilion uh, on Bank Holiday Monday mm. so all the punks are in the pavilion they come out of the pavilion in the low green there's all these mods massive punk mods fight in the low green you know uh, why why couldn't well, they just, famously did why the couldn't s- they just go on 
Crass famously did, was very yeah, similar. But yeah. Crass famously did that track, you know, Rival Tribal Rebels, which is all about, you know, the, and particularly with the advent of Oi. Yeah. With Gary Bushel and Oi, which polarised punk even further and pushed it into some weird nationalism, you know. And I know... You know I, did, I did, I must admit, right, I did buy the Oi album. I can remember it was a yellow sleeve. Yeah. And it was, it was curated by Gary Bush. Yeah. And the reason I bought it was because the Cockney Rejects well, were yeah. That's the only reason I bought it. Yeah, right? The Cockney Rejects are an interesting band, aren't they? Because they flirt with that whole... They've got the they football did. thing and the whole thing on the terraces yeah. and all the rest of it. But actually, they're actually pretty social, socially aware. Yep. And I, certainly, I think I... Um, we saw them at Rebellion. We did see them at Rebellion. No, I thought they were bloody good, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I've got a soft spot. I've that. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can do bloodies. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I've got a soft spot for the Cockney Rejects. I, I, I think they're a good band, and you know the Oi thing is interesting, isn't it? Because it, it was very manufactured and very, very much uh, split a yeah. lot of uh, the scene. Yeah. Right. You know. And I tell you another thing I noticed about Rebellion this year, talking about the Oi thing. When we were walking around. The most frequently worn T-shirt that I saw at that thing. Coxsparrow. Coxsparrow. How <laughs> massive are they? I know. I couldn't believe it. I mean, they in that hall when we went to see them. I mean, I that was the fullest. Yeah. I mean, Stiff Little Fingers was pretty full, but that was it was packed. Yeah. I mean, Coxsparrow. Coxsparrow. Two nights at the Roundhouse. I mean, yeah. Earlier this year. Yeah. With no support, I think they came on and they did. It was almost like they did two sets and yeah. they were that popular on the same night. You know, so. I have to admit, I'm not that familiar. You know, they're not. They were never one. I mean, they yeah. just weren't weren't one of the bands. I was never into all that. So, so who were the who were the leaders in the Oi scene? Was it like the Foreskins? Foreskins, yeah, right. Foreskins, the business. Oh, oh, you and mind you, there are some tracks on that album, the Good, the Bad, the Foreskins, which I really like. Right. Okay. Chaos and ACAB. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, what was the what was the track about being the crown and anchor? You're gonna have to help me. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I would own a business album. I, I had the no, they were the, the, the foreskins. Oh, the business. Oh, I don't have any other. Right. I yeah, I was. I, you know, I flirted with it because you know. And of course, then you had the EMI started Secret Records, which signed Vice Squad and the Exploited. Right. Yeah. You know, so you had. You know, that's by this time we're we're talking early. We're talking early eighties now. Stuart, as I said, this is the first episode, yeah. so we're giving you a flavour of what's to yeah. come and what we've been involved in. So if we do drift backwards to go yeah. forwards or forwards to go backwards, in certainly it is, please bear with us. These are anecdotes from us as fans and, you know, we want to hear from you. I'm going to repeat the email address again. It's deadsnotpunkpod at gmail.com. This is the first one we've ever done, right? Yeah. So please give us some feedback, or if you, you know, some of the things that we've said are the poetic license has been stretched a bit, then uh, please let us know. Um, I mean, but, the object of the exercise, obviously, in future episodes, is we are planning on having some guests yes. to come along, and, and, you know, there will be more of a, a theme to perhaps some of our shows, and we will, well, I say shows, that's probably a little bit optimistic. So, well, the, you know, episodes. <laughs> um, you know, I, the fact that uh, we talked about this in August, yeah, and it's now November, yeah, right. Uh, we'll try and make these as regular as possible, but uh, you know, well, we're probably we are going to try and do them. I think we said like once every couple of weeks. Yeah, because um, I do. I mean, I have tuned into certain podcasts, you know, recently, and it sort of peters out after 
you know, you listen to a couple of really good episodes and you go, well, what happened to what that? What happened to that? Uh, yeah. What happened to that? I mean, one, the other, uh, we mentioned uh, Jonesy's Jukebox earlier yeah. on, right? You know, there are other podcasts out there. That's a really good point because there's a really, by the way, there's a great couple of episodes of Jonesy's Jukebox. I think he takes it from his K-Rock radio yeah, yeah. show. But he, when Pistol came out, and we were, just be careful talking about that. But when Pistol came oh, out, um, I mean, Danny Boyle had so much poetic license to, to write what yeah. he wanted. There. I mean, a lot of that. Yeah, the jury's out for me. But I mean, uh, you know. Anyway, he he he. Jonesy did the his um, show with Glenn Matlock, and they talked quite openly about it. Talked about Glenn. I mean, really open conversation about when the scene where Glenn famously gets fired. Yeah. And how he. In, in, Steve Jones says to him, you know, what, what, what did you think about that? And of course, Glenn says, well, it didn't happen like that. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. just not how it happened. So I know it's a TV program. I know. I you think, know, you know, um, Jordan came across really well. Really well. And Jordan, you know, going back to big influences on punk, I think Jordan is one of the unsung heroes, sadly lost as well, yeah. you know, this, this year. But um, I think Jordan was really influential, and a lot of her style and stuff came from free. Vivian and Malcolm, and she had a lot of that came from her. So you know, yeah, you're right. And um, you know, Chrissy Hayne featured a lot in it. I didn't yeah. think she was that much. She, yeah, I mean, she obviously worked in sex, but you know, they, there had to be a love element to the series, yeah. and I think she was brought in to you know, sort of bring bring that sort of the sexual activity of what was going on at the time. I mean, if anyone's got any opinions about the role of Chrissy Hyde, here's a question. <laughs> if anyone's got any opinions about the role of Chrissy Hyde in the development of punk, we'd love to hear from we, you at deadsnotpunkpod gmail.com. Please let us know. But, um... Going back to the, going back to the Scottish thing, right? And, uh, you know, I'm sure if we have any listeners in Scotland, <laughs> if we have any listeners at all, yeah. um, you know, that 74-75 era uh, which I never touched on. I touched on Alex Harvey earlier on. I've got to say the B City Rose were a huge. Yeah. Uh, well, McLaren famously wanted to, to yeah. style the pistol. Well, what became the pistol? That's where a lot of the tartan influence came from. Yeah. But you know, also going back to the American side of things, the Ramones based their career on the B City Rose songs with fuzz pedals yeah. and speeding them up. You know, the harmonies, the melodies, and all of that. That first Ramones album. You know, you can hear Shy Lang in about half a dozen yeah. songs. Yeah. Yeah. So there were. So we, we have come neatly back to kind of that 74, 75, or more 75, 76. And then, of course, you know, I remember when we were talking earlier on about what we were going to talk about on the pod and, you know, what, what songs influenced us and all the rest of it. And we were looking back through 75. And actually, once you start to get to a purely defined sort of punk single, you do arrive at the damned and new rose. You do. Uh, I mean, is she really going to have it? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, luckily enough, over the last couple of weeks, we we, we managed yeah. to see the, the the original lineup. And uh, I've got to say, for any damn fans out there who missed those shows, you missed an absolute treat. You know. Yeah. What did you think? What were your? I mean, I know you just said it was a treat, but I mean, what? What? Tell me more. What was your? Because you went to two. You came to the one with me in London. Yeah. And then yeah, you I went, went to, up. To I went to Scotland. And you got to see Penetration. I got to see Penetration, who uh, I had been trying to see for the last uh, thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw them back in the day. Yeah. I, I can't remember who I saw them back in the day with, but um, 
we were met, we went to psychedelic fuzz about a year ago at Royal yeah. Albert Hall, and they were meant to support. And that's that's why we went. And she pulled out. Yeah. And we had Ja Wobble doing yeah. his doing his jazz. I don't really know what was going on with that. <laughs> no, which was uh, that uh, yeah. was the week Jordan died, because he Richard Butler gave his, did a did, he did. dedicated a song to her because. You know, when when it was announced it was Jar Wobble, I was expecting, well, what are we going to get here? Mm. Metal Box or, you know, what yeah. is it? Or Visions of well, Light? So it was, yeah, it was invaders yeah. of the sort of heart, but it went off into some... Oh, it was like a filler, wasn't it? it some was noodling, noodling nonsense, yeah. right? You know, they might have been played in the car on a Sunday afternoon drive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whatever, <laughs> right? But, um, and then Penetration was supposed to support at the Hammersmith Odeon. So the damn gig, yeah. the damn gig. And she pulled out of that as well. Did she pull out, or did, did the lineup just change? Because those gigs got moved around quite a lot, didn't they? The the reason I she think we got the tickets in like 2019. <laughs> the reason one of the, the rumours now yeah. this may be wrong. One of the rumours that I'd heard the reason she didn't do the gigs in London was because I think on the they did two nights. Yeah, we went the Saturday night, and it was the Rosillos. Yeah. And we went to the Rosillos in penetration. It was TV right? Smith and the Rosillos. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the night before it was the Skids. Yeah. And she said she wasn't going to support the Skids because penetration were a better band than Skids. Really? And Richard Jobson took about three hours to sound check. Poetic license, heard it as a rumour, and they pulled out they pulled out the show in London and said, no, I'm not doing it. Right. If anybody's got any information about the validity of that rumour, please email us, deadsnotpunkpod at gmail.com. So, yeah, and uh, see, going back to my quick review on The Damned, um, having interviewed Captain Sensible, mm. although you'll probably not remember, as it was on, uh, it, as it was a, a Radio 1 roadshow. Now, Radio 1 roadshows were happening in the 70s, yeah, early yeah. 80s. <coughs> I interviewed him for... Uh, probably best not mention too many of those presenters who are probably facing criminal charges. They probably are. Uh, yeah. anyway, you know, uh, anyway. But I managed to interview Captain Sensible and I've always been a fan of him. Uh, unfortunately, when I interviewed him, he'd left the damned and yeah. he was in, uh, doing his happy talk stuff. Right. And um, the damned at that point, I think... Correct me if I'm wrong. Old damn fans were called the Doomed. They did. They they were the Doomed for a little while. I thought I thought they were the Doomed when Brian James left, who was the main songwriter after the first album, and they had this sort of they got back together and were the Doomed. And then then Vanian left, and there was this sort of and then there was and then they had no Vanian left. Vanian left, and then there was so then Captain Sensible and Scaby started Rat Scaby started doing stuff together. Right. Didn't have a singer. Got Vanian back. You know that 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 period. I'm sure I saw the doomed with the Ruts or Ruts, DC. Well, but eight, Owen, when Mark Owen died yeah. in eight, 1980. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Please email in the correct dates. <laughs> <Yeah>, please. <laughs> doing this on the hoof. Yeah. <laughs> right, as they say, doing it on the hoof. There's no script here, by the way. So yeah. as I said, if some of it. Uh, it sounds a bit ominous. Yeah. Then we've made it up on the spot. So yeah. you know, but. Yeah, going back to the dance, so Captain Sensible, I thought... Back on playing bass, obviously, yes. Brian James. Yeah. yeah, looked amazing. Yeah. Looked amazing with the uh, 
little Paul McCartney who sort of yeah they're original they looked they they definitely went for the whole damn damn damned the look yeah they went for that look yeah right and uh, Vanian looked amazing Vanian was unbelievable as yeah. a front man I'd put him up there as my one of my top five front men of all time yeah right he encapsulated everything that we talked about earlier about Alex Harvey and people yeah. like front men of a you know a generation but you could see how many people were influenced by Dave Vaney and the way he performs and you know carries the stage right people like Pete Murphy from Bauhaus they've been looking at that going in fact there's a live damned album which has um Oh, that's the. I know what you're going to say. The one with Bella Lugosi's the dead. Yeah, yeah. There's the Halloween Lyceum. Yeah, yeah. it's brilliant. If yeah. you haven't checked it out, Bella yeah. Lugosi's dead. Neat, neat, neat. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And that, you know, I mentioned Pete Murphy for that reason. But um, if you like Bauhaus, as I did, following yeah. my career, you know, it was like Bauhaus played a big, big influence, and a big part of my. Uh, white makeup and black eyeliner yeah, yeah. <laughs> era but well, I mean, they, but they we'll get into that it wasn't all that though with them was it because they were obviously because I, I liked them as well I thought I mean I I mean I grew up I was in those years I was in Northampton where yeah. they were from and they were a big they were a huge local band you talked to me when you were in Scotland and you went to see local bands yeah, when yeah. I was 13 right they were a local band in Northampton. I went to see. I went with my dad to see <laughs> Bauhaus play at the Rep Theatre in Northampton. It's knocked down now. Right. That's how old I am. And um, and they didn't have a support band. They had this guy who came on in like spandex ballet trousers. And all he did no, was. No, you got that mixed up. Spandau Ballet were a band, Stuart. Oh yeah. Spandex trousers were those like. Almost like chic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry about any reference to Spandau Ballet. who will never yeah, be repeated again on the pod. But so the, this guy comes on in these sort of latex trousers, and all he's Did got dish towel around him. No, nothing. Dish towels and kilts were very no, Spandau Ballet. No Spandau Ballet. Please walk away from the Spandau Ballet. Anyway, so this guy comes on stage, and he's got the, the, the sort of latex trousers on, and then different size plastic boxes, right? Honestly, go with me on this. Perspex boxes of all different shapes and sizes all over the stage, and he throws them up in the air, and they fall down on him, and he does this dance. That was the support band, right? For Bauhaus at the So was, was that alternative theatre, was that? It was, so? I don't God knows, I mean, you know, it wasn't Jimmy Percy. <laughs> right. So, and then, and then, of course, Bauhaus. All the, all the fall were Michael Clark. Exactly. So then, Bauhaus come on and do their whole Bauhaus thing in this old rep Victorian theatre. Brilliant. It was such a great gig. Um, but you know, they they were definitely one of those bands when I was sort of in. I was still into punk bands, but I liked them. They were local. They local boys made good. Yeah, and that, and but that, and that's why I mentioned that you know that because. I killed that live track when they mixed the yeah. two tracks. Vanian was great. Um, Brian James looked a little bit. I met Brian about, it must be about 18, 17, 18 years ago. In fact, I shared a hotel with him. And uh, he he looked frail then. Mm. He looked even more frail now. He did look frail. I mean, the fact that when you're in a band and you're rehearsing, you usually put a carpet down for the drummer. Yeah. And the drum, so that the drums don't move in the rehearsal space. They had two carpets in front of Brian James, so he didn't slip. Yeah, I did that, and I saw that the tech, the guitar tech, sort of helped him with his guitar. I don't, I don't know. I mean, his guitar sounds amazing, and he's playing what unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. He, he, he encapsulated the yeah. sound that we all wanted of 
the original Dandry yeah. for me. Right. I mean, I thought it was great. I mean, I remember because my sister came with us, and, yeah, yeah. And, and obviously she's a Dam fan, and she loved, but she's a Dam fan sort of post machine gun etiquette. Right. And I remember driving down, and I said, "Well, we're going to listen to the Damned in the car on the way down to the. Yeah, gig. Didn't play like, any. Didn't play smash it. No. Up. I mean, and, and I knew that would happen. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Brian James wasn't involved yeah. in any of those songs, so which was I, all I music. thought was brilliant. That I they loved didn't it. Play any yeah. of that. You know, so I liked the set. I thought it was yeah. good. And they did, uh, they did some, you know, um, This Will Be The Last Time, yep. which I think was the last track they played. Yep. I mean, is that them then? Not, they're not going to do that again? Well, they were, they were a band that, you know, look back to look forward. Because mm. a lot, you know, they did a Beatles song. They didn't push help. They didn't knock the Beatles, where other punks and spitty punks at the time yeah. went, oh, the Beatles are, you know, I hate Pink Floyd t-shirts yeah. and stuff like that. They damned, they damned were musically really good yeah. musicians and performers and that came across in the show and I have to say moving round to the drums why is that guy not in another band? Rat Scabies is one of the best drummers oh Stuart I've seen a lot of good drums yeah. a lot of good drums right from you know Keith Moon to Kenny mm. Jones to Dave Grohl Rat Scabies is up there yeah. in the Ginger top Baker. It was in Hawkwind for a while, little, little, little reference there. Rennie. Yeah. From the Roses. Mm. Rennie from the Roses, brilliant drummer. But Ras Gabies, yeah. unbelievable drummer. Yeah, why wasn't he? Why, I mean, what's, you, what's he done for the last 40 years? Well, he was in that, he was in that uh, documentary about the damned. If you, yeah, but that's not paying the bills. No, it's not. Rat, if you're out there listening to the pod, <laughs> deadsnotpunkpod at gmail.com, please drop us a line and let, let us know how you're getting on. Anyway, so I, I agree. But why is he not, not being in a band? I know. Or else I missed it. And it was also really interesting, wasn't it, that, that Captain Sensible and Dave Vanian had microphones on stage yeah. and were talking to the audience. But Brian James and Rat Scabies, I mean, Rat Scabies at the end came up and did a bow with, yeah. with which I thought was really nice. Yeah. And, um, so, I mean, uh, my view is, I thought it was brilliant. I, I really loved it. I, I thought the set list was great. If, if you're a fan of the band and you're into those, because the music for pleasure at the time got a bit of a kick in when it came out. It Lou Edmonds, of course, famously playing on the album. from Bit of a kicking by the journalists that yeah. created people, that made people go and, and, and set up their own fans. And going back to your, ref your comments about Pink Floyd, because of course, is it Nick Mason from Pink Floyd produced the album? Yeah. And, um, and Lou Edmonds playing on it, who obviously was, is now in Pill. Yep. Who, who also was in the Mekons. He was. He yeah. was in the Mekons. Great band. Um, Mekons and I believe the guy of four were the first two singles put out on Fast Product. Oh. Record label from Edinburgh, which was very influential in the, the yeah. 70s. You know, the Human League. Yeah. Uh, Being Boiled was also on Fast. Bands like Pratt's. Wow. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk we'll about talk, that. Yeah, Fo yeah. Down we'll drift like, into that in episode we'll, two. We'll, we'll drift yeah. onto Earcom one and Earcom two in yeah. episode two, three, four. Um, so yeah, you know, having been to that show and and seeing something that we're never going to see again, you don't reckon they'll do anymore? No. I, I thought that. I, I mean, because obviously, you know, the sort of punk. I mean, to me, again, correct me if I'm wrong. The damned, the damned. We, we were meant to see the damned at Glastonbury. Yeah, and they pulled out this COVID, year apparently. because of COVID. Yeah, but they toured America. Says yeah, but says he doesn't go because he's, he's he hasn't the vaccine. No, I, d I didn't. I don't know what the the story of that was. I just he didn't go. They and supported Blondie. Yeah, 
Because Glenn right. Matlock played in the Blondie band, didn't he? That's right, yeah. And I think he's actually playing on some of the tracks because they're doing an album. Blondie. Blondie is supporting Iggy Pop at that uh, that gig next year at um, with Generation Six. Yeah, yeah. That'll be an interesting, um, be an interesting one. Do you feel right? I've got to ask you this. This is a question for you. We're, I, we're going to have to wrap it up shortly, but okay, you know, okay. So okay. One, one more finish. I'm going to finish on one this. more question each, right? Do you feel? Where, did, where is it all going with the, you know, we've talked about going to Rebellion, we've talked about going to see The Damned, we've talked about, you know, them getting back together and all the rest of it. What happens to punk next? Well, we live in a generation, or the last three generations, where heritage and nostalgia has become a big thing, mm. right? And we've seen that in the industry that we work in, you know, the amount of rewind festivals that are on, or celebrations yeah. of the 80s. God, I'd never want to go and see Nick Kershaw, you yeah. know, in a you know, in Henley on yeah. Thames. It just sounds horrible. Howard right? Jones, and Howard Jones, with, yeah. with a man with a chain, yeah. you know, yeah. it just sounds horrible. But maybe, maybe that's us, to punk. I thought and that, pe- and people, people yeah. look on us and go, look at those saddle, you know, chubby, sad- chubby building guys. Yeah, yeah, with their beard bellies yeah. standing yeah. at the back. Yeah, you know what keeps me going. Gigs, yeah, not heritage. So going back to when I said when when I met you about thirty years ago, we should go to three gigs a week, yeah, or three gigs a month, yeah, punk, or three gigs a year, punk. Yeah. But we were going to see bands like the Vibrators and the UK Subs, which was actually heritage at that point, yeah, because they'd been going for about twenty years by that <laughs> point, yeah, you know. And so now you're looking at it, you're going, you're looking at. Creating an atmosphere of nostalgia in certain things. We went to public image, uh, not public image, we went to John Lydon in a church. Yeah. Well, well that was the <laughs> Union Chapel, we spoke the word thing, which was odd. It was surreal. It was really odd. It was John doing karaoke at the end. It, I mean, he, he sounded a bit pissed. Yeah. But I thought it was, when they when they played, I mean, it was, I don't know why. Even Bodies and Rise at the end. But they played on a tape player. Yeah, the karaoke. Yeah, it was people slag off Ian Brown from the Roses yeah. from doing karaoke. John Lydon did it. No, no, no. I know he's caring for his wife. Yeah, and yeah. We needed to raise money. I mean, I, I can't fault him for that. But and actually, some of it was really interesting. I thought not, it was I'm a very odd. It was I'm not sort of Edmonds at that. So that's right. Yeah, he stood next yeah. to us in the queue. Look, yeah. I'm not going to knock it. And uh, but heritage and nostalgia play a big part in culture at the moment, right? Because people want to hark back to what they thought were the great days, right? I would rather go and see new bands, and there's a lot of new, what you would consider under the tag of punk. They might not think or use that term that we had in the 70s. And one of those bands, and one of the people that epitomises that whole new generation is Joe Talbot from Idols. Yeah. Bands like like Idols, bands like Benefits, don't know if you, you know, Benefits, um, Heavy heavy Lungs. Heavy Lungs are great. Yeah. Uh, Who we went to see a couple of weeks ago. Girls in Synthesis. No, the band are Bad Breeding. Bad Breeding. You know, they're the type of shows that we go to as old men. Yeah. So don't give up on punk rock. No, it is coming around. Where would you, I mean, I know we haven't got long left, but I was just going to, it might be interesting to just end on sort of some new bands um, which brings us we've started talking in the circus 74 75 and now let's just finish on some new bands what's your verdict on Sleaford Mods I can tell you're thinking about it I am thinking about it really liked the first album mm. 
but it's a hard listen. It, you know, they are a hard listen if you're sitting. With, but would we have said feeding the five thousand? Oh, without a doubt. What I mean, it's a hard listen. Is um, the fact that I'm at an age where listen to shouty angry man mm-hmm. in the corner on a record or you know streaming service or however you you know consume your music. It's not what I want to do on a Sunday afternoon, right? But going to see a Sleaford Bond show, completely different, because it's a one-off environment, mm. you get him. Is it Jason? Yeah. Yeah, amazing. But idols can be a bit shouty, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I listen to them a lot. Yeah, yeah. Shouty can be good if you're in the right frame of mind. Anger is an energy. Anger is an energy. Don't try and nick my line. That's <laughs> you came out with that. Or don't try and nick John's line. Yeah. Right? But, you know, what I mean by that is, um, you have to be in the right frame of mind. If I'm driving, you know, from Birmingham to Manchester, I'll put on idols yeah. because I'm angry. Because and driving I'm, from Birmingham to Manchester is a lot better than driving from Manchester to Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, and you know, I, I put on that Sleaford mods. They put out a track about three, four weeks ago with Orbital. Oh yeah, it, you rat. It is so poignant. Yeah, it was dirty rat. Yeah, yeah. It was. The, I think it was the day that Liz Trust lost her job. Yeah. So. A great day. Yeah, it was a great day, and yeah. the lyrics are so poignant about what's going on yeah. in Britain today. I think they, had, they because they didn't know that she was going to go, and but it was a because obviously they recorded it weeks before, but and it and it worked with um, you know the fact that 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 went on that day, and and trust was gone. Well, our political career is over, you know, completely over. Um, I think that's all we've got time for, sure. Well, that's a shame. Well, listen, it's been great talking to you, and uh, thanks for uh, doing this with me and uh, for getting this sorted out. And um, we hope you guys will all come back and listen to episode two, um, where we can think of some more things to talk about. But Dead Hot Punk, if you want to email us, please do deadhotpunkpod at gmail.com. No, I really enjoyed it, Stuart. Thank you very much. Uh, it's, uh, I hope there's been some anecdotes and some nostalgia that you've mm-hmm. you know appreciated in there and uh, we're going to we're going the reason we played and our theme tuned is Alice Cooper 18 do you want to explain well I mean it, it was when we were talking about doing the pod it was difficult to think of a track to play but I always understood the reason why Lydon got the or Johnny Rotten got the gig as being the singer for the pistols is because he mimed to or acted out, and I think they, they, there's a scene in Pistol, but you know, I'm reading it, I've read it from Lydon's own words, but he, he, he sang to Alice Cooper's uh, 18, and, uh, and for me it's a really important track because it kind of started me on my journey, and I think it's a pretty point, it's a great track as well. Yeah, 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 no, no, I agree. Um, so, on that note, um, again, as Stuart has said, email us, give us some suggestions, We'll be across all the social media networks. We'll be wherever you get your podcast. Pass it on, share it. If you like it, great. If you don't, you don't. Don't care. Don't really care. <laughs> uh, it is, you know, we're going to end on a classic track. And thanks for listening. <laughs>
And to accompany this podcast, there will be a Spotify playlist made up Dead's Not Punk. Check it out. Uh, thanks again. Bye. Did we record? <laughs> <laughs>